Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. My goal this morning is that you would come to delight in the person of the Holy Spirit, that you would come to have a great appreciation for the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that you would live a life praising God in surrender to the work and the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, one of the great moments for me as a Christian believer was the day I realized I don't have to do any of that stuff that the Bible talks about but that God would do it in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. At that moment, the weight of religion was taken off my shoulders, and the joy and the power of a personal relationship with Christ came to the forefront of my understanding of who I was. And so we're not, um, you know, left on our own. God gives us this rich, rich resource, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. So my goal this morning is that you would fall in love with the Holy Spirit, delight in the Holy Spirit, rejoice that the Holy Spirit is in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, I hesitate to preach a sermon like this, and it's not for the reason you think. It's not that I'm afraid you're going to break out Pentecostal on me. You know, frankly, I'm willing to risk it. You know. But um, the reason I hesitate is that before I preach, my prayer always is, Lord, let your Holy Spirit exalt Christ. Because the purpose of worship and preaching is to put Christ on a pedestal that we would see him, adore him, and love him, and give glory to the Father because of him. But that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspires that within us. And the Spirit never draws attention to himself. I mean, you read the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is always pointing us to the person of Jesus Christ, pointing us to the glory of the Father. The Holy Spirit is not um, about exalting himself. And so I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you talk about yourself for a little bit? And I think he said yes, he would. And so my goal is that you would delight in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, as Baptists, we're sort of afraid to do that. Uh, there's that whole fear that if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, we might actually start worshiping with everything we've got, you know. Uh, First Baptist Church of Waldorf, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, pray, praise God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's about it. Some of you know better than that, and you are, but, but look, this, this is the way I was raised. Don't blame me. But, uh, but we're sort of hesitant because we're not sure about the Holy Spirit. We, you know, we, we think the Holy Spirit is all about some kind of enthusiasm or some kind of um, uh, experience of, of, uh, you know, of entertainment or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, we think, well, if we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's just going to be all about making more noise than, than we can stand, and, and uh, who knows what comes after that. So we're a little bit hesitant about it for that reason. We're also hesitant about the Holy Spirit because we're not really sure about him. Uh, we know he pops up at the end of the doxology, 
And praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Who's this holy? Well, it rhymes with host, heavenly host, so uh, we pretty much sing it. Uh, we know that the Holy Spirit tends to show up in the third stanza of a lot of hymns, you know, because you have the Father hymn, and then you have the uh, verse, and then you have the, the Son verse. And, well, you've got to have a third verse about the Holy Spirit before you get to the last verse, which wraps it up. When I was growing up, to save time, we always skipped the third verse, so Baptists never knew about the Holy Spirit uh, because of that. <laughs> But, but we're, just, we're just not sure about this Holy Spirit thing. But the Holy Spirit is what brought you to Christ. Amen. You know, if you've had that moment where you finally figured out that I am a sinner and I am lost, I'm, I'm wounded and I'm broken, I, I am apart from God and it's my sin that has separated me from God the Father and, and there's nothing I can do to bring myself up to heaven that he would notice me. When you were convicted of your sin, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you realize that Jesus Christ died for my sins, not as a theological abstraction, but as a very personal sacrifice that he shed his blood for me. And when he died, he died in my place. And because of his cross, I can have my sins forgiven. When you came to that conclusion, that was the work of the Holy Spirit within you. And when finally your heart was changed and you came to the point where you said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and he is my Savior, my Lord and my God, when you came to that moment, that was the work of the Holy Spirit within you. See, without the Holy Spirit, where the technical term is sunk, you know, we, we just have no way to... To, to come to God. We're not, we're not capable of figuring it out or, or generating the energy or the faith. All that is the gift of God, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you came to one of those um, groundbreaking moments where, where you just realized um, a great biblical truth, you came to a time where, where you, you realized that you needed to take, to take a quantum step forward in faith and in obedience, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the courage of faith. The Holy Spirit changes our heart. The Holy Spirit moves us to latch onto Christ and to embrace Him. The Holy Spirit moves us to worship and to glorify Him. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings us to exalt Christ in order to give glory to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. So um, the, the Holy Spirit is absolutely at work in the life of the believer. That's why... If you've ever had a passage of Scripture that didn't make sense to you, you ever have that happen? Trust me, there are some parts of the Bible that, that are hard to understand. But if you ever had one of those and you said, I, I can't make heads or tails out of this, I don't know what's going on, and then maybe years later or, or a little bit later, whatever it was, you, you came to a point and then suddenly it fell into place and you said, oh, so that's what it meant. Now I see how that applies over here. Now it's all coming together. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why you can know the Word of God. You can know the Scripture because the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the believer, in the mind of the believer, to give us understanding. It's because of the Holy Spirit that if you've ever been in a spot where you were here and you knew, know you needed to be over there, but there was no way to get there at all, it just wasn't going to happen but for some reason you stepped out and God opened the next step and then the next step opened up and before you knew it, you were where God wanted you to be and you look back and said, so God had it planned all along, but I couldn't see it. It was the work of the Holy Spirit that got you from where you were to where God wanted you to be. 
That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the courage to be authentic. You know, the, the, the key word now is transparent, but just, just read that. Authentic. Just be honest with folks. To be able to say, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I don't have to be perfect all the time. I will try as best I can. I, I want to serve and, and to be obedient as best I can. But you know, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. I'm going to sin. I am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. The work of the Holy Spirit gives us the courage to be authentic in front of folks and to say, you know, I'm a sinner, but God is greater, and by his grace, I'm on the journey upward. See, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's why important, folks. If you've got children in the house or grandchildren around you or great-grandchildren or great... Well, you get the point. If you've got a child in your life, the one thing they need to see from you is authenticity. The last thing they need to see is a parent who's putting on a front, who's putting on a false facade and trying to convince the kid you're something you're not. See, there's nothing wrong with a parent saying, you know, son, I was wrong. I can't think of an illustration of that right now, but, <laughs> but to be authentic with your children, be able to say, you know, Dad, Dad slips up too, and we all need the grace of God, and that's, that's why we rely upon Jesus, and that's why the Holy Spirit works. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to give you the courage to be authentic and transparent where you don't have to play games with people. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the courage to dare great things, to see something that is beyond the imagination of man, that is beyond the concept that the human mind can put together, and to say, but God commands it, and therefore we can do it, and to step out by faith. That's why we love the Holy Spirit around here, because the Holy Spirit is the one who makes all of this possible, who's doing all this work. So we, we hesitate to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're, we're afraid we're going to get backed into a theological corner. But in point of fact, without the Holy Spirit, we have no salvation at all. And that's why we know that the purpose of life is to give glory to the Father in the name of the Son, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God doing this work within us. So I am just... Uh, of praying and hoping that you will fall in love with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will just be a delight in your life and a conscious, overtly conscious uh, reliance uh, that you have in your life. You know, one of the big gaps between the church today and the church of the 21st century, the church that we'll read about in the book of Acts, the reason for the gap between what they were able to do and be and what we're able to do and be is that we have lost this conscious reliance upon the Holy Spirit and this conscience, uh, conscious experience of what God is doing by the power of His Spirit in our lives. So one of the things I hope as we go through the book of Acts is we recover that sense of God by the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us. So I pray that you would come to delight in the Holy Spirit. Look with me at the text that we read a little bit earlier. Uh, this, this falls uh, just in the last days of Jesus' life on earth. It's just before the ascension into heaven. So th these are like the final words that, that Jesus has to say. Um, Luke tells us in his last chapter that Jesus spent that 40 days after the resurrection sort of in Bible study with the, with the disciples, showing them from the Scriptures how they were um, uh, to understand the Messiah and, and interpret what had happened. And so we, we pick up the reading. Just um, uh, 
Well, I want to pick it up in, in, uh, in verse 2. So, well, okay, verse 1. The first book, O Theophilus, first book was the Gospel of Luke. Theophilus, we're not really sure, a lot of, lot of theories on who he was. But Luke says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. By the way, the Gospel of Luke is what Jesus began to do. The book of Acts is what Jesus continued to do by the power of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And he says, I, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. It says here that Jesus gave commands, but it was through the Holy Spirit. You know, there were a lot of folks who heard Jesus teach and preach. There were a lot of people who heard the commandments of Jesus, and it never took with them. It, it, it just never occurred to them that this was something they needed to invest their lives in. I mean, you remember the time Jesus was with the multitude, John 6, and he's with the multitude, and he says, you know, folks, uh, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood or else you have no life in you. The people said, whoa, wait a minute, that seems just a little bit fuzzy there, Jesus. Would you like to clarify it? Jesus said, okay, let me clarify it this way. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. And they said, well, hang, hang on there, Jesus. Uh, we, we know that you're, you're, you're sometimes a, l a little creative in what you're saying, but uh, would, would you just sort of bring us a, a further elucidation, you know, put that in perspective. Jesus said, fine, I'll do that. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. And so the folks said, you know, this is hard. This is harder than math, you know. You know, this is, this is really hard, and they left him. They left him. They weren't going to take it. But the disciples who had heard the same hard saying of Jesus stayed with him. And Jesus said, are you leaving too? They said, where should we go? You have the words of life. Now, what was the difference? What was the difference? Maybe the disciples were smarter than everybody else. I mean, when we read the Gospels, don't the disciples seem to be a right, smart group of guys to you? You know, like academic geniuses? I don't think so. Maybe they were just more sensitive to things. You know, maybe, maybe they had a better handle on, on just sort of sensing what the truth is. You ever read the Gospels? I don't think so. Maybe they were more religious. Maybe they were more pious. Maybe they were just better suited. I don't think so. The difference was the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the disciples. By the grace of God opening their eyes to see just a glimpse of what Jesus was saying. And then after the resurrection, Jesus went to the disciples and he opened up the scriptures and he said, look, here's how you're to understand these things. And he said, well, guys, for example, have, have you looked at, at, at uh, Psalm 22 lately? And here it talks about my crucifixion fiction and the cry of dereliction and all those things. And the disciples said, ah, oh, so that's what it's all about. He said, let's turn to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah. We're talking about the suffering servant of God, and you're talking about the Messiah, and he's going to die for the people and bear their, their reproach, and, and by his stripes they'll be healed. And, and they said, aha, so that's what it was talking about. On and on. He would open up the Old Testament. He said, this is what it's talking about. Aha, that's what's going on. And every time they had one of those aha moments, it was the work of the Holy Spirit opening their minds to receive the commandments, the teachings of Christ. That's why when you read the Bible, you don't need a T Ph.D. in Bible. doesn't hurt. Well, sometimes it does. Other people. 
What you need is a surrender to the work and the leading and the teaching of the Holy Spirit of God because that's what opens our minds to the commandments of Christ. Look, obeying Christ is beyond us. It's not just that we don't have the power to do it. It is we don't have the wherewithal mentally, intellectually, to know how it applies and how it works. We need the wisdom of God, and that comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, Luke says that Jesus was teaching his commandments to the disciples through the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit opens up their minds to understand what's going on. Then let's, let's read on a little bit further on. Verse 4, he says, while staying with them, he ordered them, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. What's the promise of the Father? Well, we don't have to wonder about that because in the next chapter, in chapter 2, when, when Peter gets up to uh, preach after the, uh, uh, the crowd is gathered to, to say, what's going on with these guys, uh, you know, filled with the Spirit, and Peter says, oh, what you're seeing is the fulfillment of the promise. You're seeing the fulfillment of the prophet Joel. What God promised through the prophet Joel was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon every man, woman, and child who, who would believe, from the youngest to the oldest, from the highest to the lowest. And so um, Jesus said, you know, you're going to receive the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus had promised that. You remember in John, Gospel of John, um, in the last day before the cross, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. That's chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's kind of a lot. Uh, he has a lot to say there. And one of the things he talks about is the promise of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the other thing he talks about is the relationship of the Father and the Son. That, that's pretty much it. That's what he's talking about, the relationship, the relationship of the Father and the Son and the work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus spent his last hours before the crucifixion talking about the Trinity. Um, that's an, an aside, but um, you, you can uh, just sort of mark that down in your Bible. But anyway, as he's talking there to his disciples just before the crucifixion, he says, look, I will pray to the Father, I'll ask the Father, and he will send the Comforter. He will send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit gets there, he's going to convict of sin, he's going to bring about judgment, he's going to bring about a clarity of thought, he's going to be the great Comforter, all those kinds of things that, that the Holy Spirit is going to do were promised prior to the crucifixion. So that's, that's the sense that we're talking about. So he says, wait for the promise of the Father. And Jesus talked about it this way. You heard from me, the, the promise. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Well, Bible scholars and theologians and denominational uh, apologists are going to argue back and forth, you know, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And does it happen? You know, how can you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it the same as this and that and the other thing? I mean, a lot of theories on that. We, we won't go into that. We really don't have to worry about it too much. Jesus said, you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a few days. Well, you just go a few days later in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 following, and you find the, the followers of Jesus in the upper room there in a season of prayer. And as they are there, the Holy Spirit is given to them. It descends with a sound like a rushing wind, and it looked like tongues of fire. But the Holy Spirit fills every one of the followers in that upper room, and they begin proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. They begin talking about the things Jesus talked about. They're preaching in languages that everybody can understand. And that's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus said, you'll be baptized 
In just a few days, he's talking about the day of Pentecost. Now, here's what happened on the day of Pentecost. These guys loved Jesus. They just weren't sure of themselves. They, they, they adored Jesus, but they weren't sure they could stand up for him. These guys had an absolute commitment to Jesus, but there were little asterisks and qualifications in the margins. After the day of Pentecost, these guys loved Jesus so much, nothing could stop them. They loved Jesus so much that they did nutty things like stand in front of the rulers who had just crucified him and said, you know, you crucified the Son of God. By the way, God raised him. Wouldn't you like to repent? They did nutty things like saying, you know, we must obey God rather than man. Suddenly after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they, they started saying things like, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, after the Holy Spirit filled them and came upon them, they had a passion for Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for the believer. He gives us that passion for Jesus, that all-consuming love and devotion for Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not notice that so much because, again, the Holy Spirit works to point us to Jesus, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to give us a passion for Christ. Okay. Very, very quickly, we move on to the, to the next part of it. Uh, well, they hear this, and so in verse 6, they say, hey, Jesus, is the kingdom coming now? Because Jesus said, wait for the promise. And they said, promise of the Holy Spirit, that must mean the end times. That must mean that Messiah will come. That must mean that, that Israel will be vindicated. That must mean that we get to show off that we're on thrones, you know, at the right hand of, of the Messiah. Surely this, this means something good for us. And so they said, Jesus, at this time, will the kingdom be restored? Jesus said, guys, 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 look, it's not for you to know when, but even better than knowing when is knowing this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power, you'll start to be my witnesses, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be my witnesses because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. That's why we love the Holy Spirit around here. We can do things that we could not do otherwise. I mean, audacious things. Audacious things like volunteering. Not me. I'm no good. Didn't want you. Wanted the Holy Spirit in you. <laughs> See, so all you got to do, you say, you know, I love the Holy Spirit. I have a passion for Jesus. He's given me power to do what I wouldn't want to do. Me, me, me. Let me volunteer for vacation Bible school. You saw that, didn't you? <laughs> I expect to have the faculty filled up by the end of the day. But we have power to do what we didn't think we could do. You know, Lord, that person has hurt me so badly, has wounded me so deeply. I don't know if I can ever forgive them. Of course you can't. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to exalt Jesus by forgiving. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be loving and kind and merciful. The Holy Spirit gives you the courage to speak the name for Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives you the, 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 the courage 
to say, Jesus is my Lord, and he is my God, and that's whom I serve. And so the Holy Spirit brings power when he has come upon us. So let, let me suggest it to you in, um, really, really in three words. The head, the heart, and the hands. You carry those around with you? Okay, you, you, you're carrying the sermon outline with you. The Holy Spirit gives understanding to the head, to our thinking and clarity of thought. And when we are surrendered in prayer and seeking the, the, the glory of God by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, uh, will we'll correct us and reprove us and bring us back to where we need to be and will straighten up our thinking. And the Holy Spirit gives us a passion in the heart, a passion for Jesus Christ, a love so deep and profound for him that nothing can dissuade us from following him. And the Holy Spirit will give us power, strength for our hands, that we can do what Jesus Christ wants us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we love the Holy Spirit around here. Now you're saying, well, what about, how does that work for me? How, how does that come into my life? I, I understand it for religious folks and, and my, my kooky neighbor across the way, but how does that come to my life? First, I believe. See, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit that worked that in you. First uh, Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power, except by the Holy Spirit. So if you've come to Christ, that was the work of the Holy Spirit in you. If you have not come to Christ, none of this will make sense anyway. Because apart from Christ, we cannot know the Holy Spirit within us. So the first thing to say is, I believe, I accept the atoning death of Jesus Christ for my sins. I believe, I invest my life by faith in him, I believe. Secondly, say thank you. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't given to just a few Christians. It's not as though the Holy Spirit is given to a couple of professional Christians or, or to somebody who's worked their way up the, the, the ladder to earn enough merit badges that now they get the Holy Spirit. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is not given to just a few folks who happen to be inclined that way. The Holy Spirit is given to every believer in Jesus Christ. And so thank and praise God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And don't say to yourself, I'm waiting for the Spirit to come. God has commanded me, and what he commands I can do because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So just say, thank you, Lord. And then the next thing to say is, okay. You commanded? Okay. You're leading me to worship? Okay. You're leading me to love and adore Christ? Okay. You're leading me to witness? Okay. You're leading me to be more Christ-like? Okay. Whatever you want, Holy Spirit, that is okay. That's what I want too. Because when we are surrendered to the work of the Spirit, the Spirit brings our lives where they need to be for the glory of the Father, in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we love the Holy Spirit around here. And my desire is that you would love him and delight in him. And in this coming week, just be looking all around you for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that you too would give praise, honor, glory to God in the name of the Son, by the power of the Spirit. Let's pray together. And Father, I'm so thankful that you are the one 
who has ordained, who has accomplished, who works all these things. And so I pray for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us this morning that that brother or sister in Christ who today feels defeated or this morning feels as though um, they've come to the end of their rope, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, lift their eyes to see the glory of what you're doing in Christ. And Father, for those who do not know the Savior, just move the heart, bring conviction, bring confession, that they too would know your grace and your glory. Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.